Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Great to be with you. We are actually in the second of a unique three-part series to highlight three things uh, we believe very much needs to be in the toolbox of every leader. In other words, every leader needs to master in order to create deep change in their ministries. Now, today's title is The Most Powerful Gift Leaders Can Give. The Most Powerful Gift Leaders Can Give. The primary work of each of us as leaders is, regardless of the size of your influence or the type of organization or ministry or church that you're leading, is to develop and to form and to mature and to grow people. That is to make disciples into the image of Jesus. From the time I came to Christ at the age of 19 and began leading our Christian fellowship on my campus, I began learning how to lead. Uh, and, I, and it's led me to get all sorts of training over the next 17 years. And by then I had planted uh, a few churches actually here in New York City and was pastoring the main one. And I was trained to give gifts in the name of Jesus. I was trained to give the gift of scripture, uh, the gift of preaching and teaching. I was trained to give the gift of strategically forming communities uh, in the name of Jesus. I was trained to give the gift of pastoring people and helping people hear God's voice and developing their spiritual gifts. I even went to seminary and did in-depth theological training. I learned Spanish. I moved to Central America. I uh, moved into, uh, into Queens here in uh, New York City. I, my focus was to learn new things and then to give it away to other people as gifts and to expand the kingdom of God as quickly as possible or as best as possible with my gifts and time and talent. So I worked very hard, but I neglected the greatest gift of all that I could have been giving people. I didn't know what it was, first of all. I, didn't, I hadn't seen it modeled for me. I hadn't experienced it myself, actually. And I, I sure didn't know how to do it either. I was actually clueless. I was working hard, long hours to give people God and his gifts, but I was failing or neglecting to give the greatest gift of all. And so when I was with, with people, I, I led them. I took them somewhere. I gave opinions. I advised. I defended myself when I needed to, lest I look incompetent. Uh, and I had a type of machine gun, rapid fire communication style. I finished people's sentences for them, and I had no problem interrupting people when it was necessary, and especially if it saved time. But the, what I didn't get was the most powerful gift that a leader can give is presence is to be deeply present to people like Jesus was, uh, to be an incarnational presence to people. Uh, love is actually all about presence. And what's interesting, if I'd heard that, what I just said to you, before I got into this journey we call Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, I would have actually turned the podcast off and gone back to either maybe memorizing Greek vocabulary words so I could do my devotions in Greek in my morning study. Uh, but I just wouldn't have seen this idea of being present uh, like Jesus as, as spiritual as a lot of other things I was involved in. What I didn't understand was that to give somebody my time, which is an incredibly precious resource, and to give somebody my attention, which is another scarce resource, 
But I didn't get by giving time and attention, I actually am giving my life to them. Listen, attention is the most basic form of love. And we are to be the best lovers on the face of the earth. Jesus said, "You shall, the world will know that you're my disciples, by the way, that you love one another. And the problem is that we're distracted. I'm distracted. You're distracted. We're all distracted. Um, last month, I, I read a, a study done in 2010 about distraction. <clears throat> and it said this, that half of our waking moments are spent thinking about something other than what we're doing. I want you to think about that for a second. Half our waking moments are spent thinking about something other than what we're, what we're actually doing in the moment. In other words, we're distracted. We're uh, we're overstimulated. We're we're thinking about the next plan, what we've got to do in an hour. We're are we hitting our numbers and we're strategizing and we're being creative and but we're missing the most powerful gift that we as leaders can give to those that we're serving, and that is deep presence. It, it's that large, spacious place of being with someone. And we're giving them our most precious asset with it, which is time, that we invest our time in people. Again, just think of Jesus. I mean, his, you can't read the gospel, Gospels without being so struck by his presence with individuals, whether it was a Samaritan woman or the rich young ruler whom he looked at and loved uh, or the widow at Nain that stopped him or Zacchaeus on that treetop or the paralytic being let down by a, on the roof or blind Bartimaeus crying out for him on the side of the road or Matthew whom he sees at his tax collector's booth or uh, even Matthew's friends. And even Luke 15, the great parable of the prodigal son of Jesus seeing his son who'd run away and from a, at a distance and running to him, that individual, that one. And, and we just see Jesus modeling the most powerful gift of love or presence to individuals. And that was always the model of Jesus. And that was actually his message to the Bible teachers or the religious leaders of his day, uh, who had a very compartmentalized spirituality, much like I did my first 17 years as a Christian. And that way they were growing in love for God, but not it wasn't translating into loving people. What's so interesting, how it's so relevant for today, because uh, the next generation of people, at least behind me, folks in their 20s and 30s and 40s in particular, uh, are crying out for connection, for authentic relationships. They're crying out to be loved and heard and uh, want to be part of a team. They're not just filling a, a slot. Uh, there's a crisis in our culture, but that crisis in the culture of people being disconnected and and caught up in this really uh, what's been called a flood of loneliness, it's, it's an incredible opportunity for us as leaders in the church because God made us to be loved. Um, and I'm convinced that we can't move forward as leaders in building quality teams or ministries that are, go out into the world like Jesus unless we make central to our formation uh, of the people on our teams and ministries uh, presence, teaching people how to be present and how to receive it. But this is going to require, of course, a slow down spirituality uh, and a slow down life and spaciousness. So what I want to do now is I want, to, I want you to invite you to listen to an 11 to 12 minute segment uh, given by Jerry, my lovely wife. Uh, and it comes out of a session from our level two training that's available on our website uh, for churches that are doing the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship course, part one and two. And it's actually a segment from uh, a section that's called Become an Incarnational Presence. 
and it's for discipling or training table leaders uh, for that course. So, uh, so that the table leaders can become folks who they don't just get disciple themselves, but they make disciples at those whom they're leading at their tables of six to eight people. So you'll have to overlook that it's specifically the context of training leaders um, within the emotionally healthy discipleship course. Uh, and and it's, it's within, a, within a larger session, it's called Become an Incarnational Presence. Uh, so you're going to hear a short segment of that. But if you want to hear the whole thing, uh, just go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash training. In fact, at emotionallyhealthy.org slash training, you'll not just hear this entire segment uh, from Jerry, but there's other resources as well that are really helpful for leaders building healthy teams. Um, of course, it's applied to using the discipleship course in your church, but it can be applied in general to building healthy cultures and teams. So Jerry's going to begin by explaining what it means to be present like Jesus. Then she'll begin to explain briefly that beginner skill uh, we teach a lot called incarnational listening. It's a way to get people started uh, to the goal. The goal is to be present, to be deeply present so people feel felt. Uh, we call the skill of incarnational listening. It's like the training wheels of a bicycle. The goal is not the skill. The goal is to be present, to love like Jesus. Incarnational listening is a way to basically get people started, to get them on a bike, get them shifting the way they're living their lives. So incarnational listening gets us started but it's such a revolutionary experience that, for at least for Jerry and I, when we uh, got started with that many years ago, it changed not just our marriage and parenting, but our family, our f- friendships, our neighbors, our leadership, our entire church. It changed everything. So and then she's going to lay out three primary challenges we all face in being present to people, uh, as well as talking about, at the end, three final practical ways to grow in presence. Do one thing at a time. Be present to yourself and seeing people as thou's, not it. So I'll come back after she finishes and make some final comments and further applications for leadership. But let me just hand it right over to now this segment from my lovely wife, Jerry. But beneath all of these guidelines and the theme of this all important session is that you become an incarnational presence to those at your table. As a table leader, one of the most significant ways you will love those at your table is by being present to them. Author and psychologist David Benner says, a foundation of psychological and spiritual health is to look into the eyes of someone and have them gazing at you. That is, I see that you see me. I feel seen. I feel valuable. I feel safe. To be present with someone means I am attuned to them. Or a simple way of saying it is, they feel felt by me. Here is a scenario as to what presence to someone might look like. My daughter enters the kitchen while I'm cooking dinner. She starts to tell me about her day. And I notice the sadness on her face. And then her voice begins to crack as she speaks. Because I've tuned into her tone of voice and facial expressions, I say, Honey, give me a minute to make sure everything's okay on the stove because I really want to stop and be fully present to you. I then allow my internal state to shift from my focus around the activity of the mail prep to the internal state of my daughter. I'm now totally present to her as she speaks. I'm present to her words, her tone of voice, 
her facials, her body language, but it's the non-verbals especially that clue me in as to how she is. She feels felt by me. You and I are hardwired by God for someone to be present to us. That is, to see that someone sees us and be responsive to us. When we do not have presence from someone in our life, we are more vulnerable to the panic of aloneness and abandonment and will seek to fill it with something else like pornography, alcohol, drugs, TV, food, social media, and every variety of escapism. A while back, a middle school guidance counselor from our church said to me, the biggest problem my middle schoolers have is not getting the attention they need. Now I know why over the years, so many teachers and school principals have been in our courses. People are coming to the EHD course to find not only solutions for their own difficulties, but for those they serve. Here's a good moment to reflect on your own experiences growing up. Who saw you and was tuned into your feelings? How are you responded to as a child? Which face did your caregivers wear? Attuned or unresponsive? Which face do you wear with your loved ones? What tone of voice and body language do they experience from you? This type of reflection is a key for your own growth forward. The best way to teach presence is to experience it. So I'm going to give you the opportunity here to do the skill of incarnational listening. Paul Tillich, one of the leading theologians of the 20th century, said it best. The first duty of love is to listen. And although table leaders don't actually do incarnational listening at their tables, that is, they're not reflecting back to the people what they said, this skill does give us practice in the art of being present. Since you have already learned this skill in the EHR course, we aren't going to teach or model it here. If necessary, you can go back and review session five anytime. The important thing to remember in practicing attunement is to pay attention to the speaker's tone of voice, facial expressions, and overall body language. And when they share a feeling, be sure you feel that feeling too, so they feel felt. Here are the guidelines for incarnational listening. Guidelines for the speaker. Speak in the eye. Talk about your own feelings, your own thoughts and desires. Keep statements brief. Use short sentences or phrases so the listener can easily repeat or paraphrase. Correct the listener if you believe he or she missed something. Include feelings. Be honest, clear, and respectful. Guidelines for the listener. Give the speaker your full attention. Reflect back with exact words or by paraphrasing as accurately as you can what you heard them say. If necessary, Tap them on the knee to pause them so you can reflect back what they said. Avoid judging or interpreting. Step into the speaker's shoes and feel what they are feeling. When you think the speaker is done, ask, is there more? When the speaker is done, ask, of everything you have shared, what is the most important thing you want me to remember?
Despite listening and presence being one of the most important gifts we can give to others, there are formidable challenges that can prevent us from doing so. Here are some very sobering reasons why presence is so difficult in our day and age. First, we live in a culture that prioritizes task over being. You and I are shaped to be more human doings than human beings. But remember, we are hardwired for presence and there are negative effects when we don't get it. Secondly, we haven't had people in our lives that modeled presence, not our caregivers, our teachers, our coaches, our employers, or even pastors. This third challenge is huge. We have an over-reliance on technology. This is harming our ability to have face-to-face -face conversations, which is one of the most human things we do. In place of face-to-face -face communication, we text and email during work, church, meetings, school, family time, even funerals. Nine out of 10 college students text during class. Two to three minutes is too long for them to pay attention without checking their phones because time without their phone creates anxiety. This decrease in face-to-face -face time has led to 40% drop in empathy among college students. Technologies also now exist that will give us the illusion of companionship without the demands of friendship. So you can see why over-reliance on technology prevents us from being able to be present to others and love them well. Ask yourself, where do you recognize your overuse or over-reliance on technology and its impact on your ability to be present? If we are hardwired for presence, and it is one of the most important gifts we offer to those at our table, then how do we grow in it? Jesus' life was a great model of presence. He was very attuned to people, places, and things. He saw heaven torn open. He noticed the crowd was hungry. He saw the faith of the paralyzed man's friends. He observed the rich putting their gifts into the temple. Jesus noticed things. He was tuned in. For us as table leaders, it might mean noticing at our tables a pained look, a gasp, a frustrated tone, or even your own anxiety when the group is being silent. Here are some ways you can grow in presence. First, practice doing one thing at a time versus multitasking. Learning presence involves being attentive by doing one thing at a time. When is the last time you did one thing at a time? For example, when you drive, only drive. No radio, no drinking coffee, or talking on the phone. Only drive. Believe me, when you were learning how to drive, you did only one thing. You drove and only drove. You had your hands on that steering wheel and you concentrated on only driving. So I know you know how to do one thing at a time. Or eating. Only eat. No TV, no scrolling your phone. Eat and taste the food. See the colors. Feel the textures. Growing in presence requires practicing 
one thing at a time. If you're peeling carrots, only peel carrots. And when you're listening, only listen. It all becomes a holy experience because you are present to it. You will be amazed at what you notice when you do only one thing at a time. We grow in presence, not only by doing one thing at a time, but also by being present to ourselves. Actually, the extent to which you are present with yourself is your capacity to be present with others. So what does it mean to be present to yourself? Well, you are aware of your five senses. You're actually tasting things. You're aware of things that you touch, whether they're a hard surface, a soft surface, whether they're silk, whether they're wool. You're aware of what you're seeing in your surroundings. You're aware of the things you're smelling, whether it's a pot roast or a rose. And you're aware of the things that you're hearing in your environment. Secondly, you are aware of your body. You're aware of your breathing. When your body is tense or relaxed, you feel the seat beneath you, you feel your feet on the floor. Thirdly, you are aware of your interior world. That is, you're aware of your thoughts, your feelings, and maybe your thoughts and feelings about your thoughts and feelings, as well as your reactions. Fourth, you are aware of interpersonal relationships. Life is like a three-ring circus. I'm aware of what's going on inside of me. I'm aware of what's going on inside of you. And I'm also aware of what's going on between us. The final way we grow in presence is to see people as a vows, not its. Every person created in the image of God has traces of thouness and is to be treated with dignity. Table leaders respect each person's journey as different than their own, as well as the different personalities and various levels of maturity in their group. If I could summarize everything I've shared, I would sum up the importance of presence like this. As a table leader, you may be late. You may not have had enough time to prepare for the lesson. You may not feel in the best of spirits, but all those things can be forgiven if when you arrive, you remember to be present with those at your table. Because being present, one of the greatest gifts we give to people, covers a multitude of sins. We talk a lot in this podcast about our doing needs to flow out of our being. And really what we're talking about is that God intends that the innermost truth of what scripture is teaching actually resides in our lives. So much so that our lives exhibits the power of the truth of which scripture speaks. In other words, we embody the truth, our being, people see it. God is love, we're love. When they're in our presence, they sense it. God listens, we listen. God is present, we're present. God gives us attention, we give attention. It actually changes the way we measure success when we realize, oh, this is the greatest gift we can give is to be present with people. You know, we begin to measure success differently. So for example, uh, we might say something like, you know, success is part of it is seeking to be fully present with people giving generously of ourselves to enter into their experiences and feelings and taking time to imagine what it's like to live in their shoes. 
the key word there is we give generously of ourselves. We're not rushing. When we're, when we're with someone, they're not thinking, oh, he's got so much to do. You know what it's like when someone's, you're, someone is listening to you, but you have this terrible sense that they really got to get on to the next thing. Uh, and then we intentionally create a culture that's safe and non-defensive and vulnerable. I, I want to give you a vision, everyone, for you and especially your, your team, that everyone would actually feel seen by you and that they're overjoyed to be part of what God is doing because their cup is being so filled by being seen, by being attuned to, uh, and that their doing of their role is flowing out of a cup that's overflowing, but it's coming, it begins with you, and then it flows to those around you. Now, let me reiterate and expand for just a moment on three things Jerry said at this podcast that how to grow in presence. The first thing she said was do one thing at a time. To really practice doing one thing at a time versus multitasking. Neuroscience studies have shown that we actually can only do one thing at a time. And when we switch back and forth, it consumes a lot of energy and a lot of extra time. But when we focus on one thing, we actually are our most thoughtful and creative. So it's so interesting that doing one thing at a time, which again, Jesus models for us, is just so backed by how God wired our bodies and neuroscience studies show that. Her second uh, suggestion was to be present to yourself. In other words, and I'll say this slowly and I'll say it twice because it's so important, to be present to yourself, the degree to which you love and value yourself is a degree to which you will be able to love and value others. Again, the degree to which you love and value yourself is the degree to which you are able to love and value others. In other words, that when we give out of a full cup, people receive a full cup. When we give, give out of an empty cup, that's what they get, emptiness. And so it's being present with yourself, which for most of us who are in leadership, we were taught to be present with everybody, you know, to give ourselves away, but not actually be present with ourselves. But that is a that is actually like a prerequisite to really be present to other people. And then thirdly, she mentioned seeing people as thou's, not it's. We've talked about that in multiple podcasts, uh, seeing people as thou's, not it's, not somebody just getting something done for us. Now, science has been researching for decades and many studies around the world what makes people happy in their lives. But the longest, most in-depth study comes out of Harvard that started in 1938. And uh, they began with 724 uh, men from Harvard University, students. And then they looked at young boys from disadvantaged neighborhoods and families in Boston. And then they moved on to spouses and then 1,300 of their descendants. And it's still, the study is 85 years old now, and it's still going on today. And you know what they concluded after 85 years of research? And it's this. It's not money or achievement or status that leads to health or happiness. The single's greatest factor that leads to health and happiness is good relationships. Most of us can attest to that. When things are going well in our relationships, all's well. When things are not going well in our relationships, life is painful and difficult. Well, the same thing applies. What makes a great team uh, a core foundation of that is relationships. And that begins with us being present, giving the greatest gift that we could ever give anybody, which is our presence. Uh, 
fully full presence. And the Harvard study concluded, and that's what we embody God's love in doing that. And the Harvard study concluded that good relation good relationships keep us happier, healthier, and help us live longer. That's across the entire lifespan, against across all cultures and all contexts, singles, married, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, which means it's certainly true of you and nearly every human being who has ever lived. That's why the priority, priority for us is to love, is to be present. And God said it's not good for human beings to be alone. Well, it's not easy to be together either. And that's why we need skills and uh, we need to learn and grow and mature in being present with other people. That's why the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship course has two parts. The first, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and the second, Emotionally Healthy Relationships, because it is both life with God and life with others. And it's not a program, but it's a life to be lived. You live it first, then you give it away to other people, and you create a healthy culture. We spent 28 years on this course, um, and it has two levels of training. Now, I'm sending you today to taste that level two training. Uh, which is which is not just mastering the launch of the course, which is level one training, but actually creating a discipleship-making culture. And uh, we the segment I had you listen to is becoming an incarnational presence. Uh, and again, just go to emotionallyhealthy.org/training. That's emotionallyhealthy.org/training. Why is training important? Listen, I gave inspirational sermons about God's heart for us to love people for years. I preached messages about how Jesus saw every human being as infinitely precious. precious. I quoted Mother Teresa about loving one person at a time. But you know what? Uh, I didn't know how to do it. And uh, it's not enough. People actually need to be taught and trained and helped. They need models and skills incorporated into their discipleship, into their formation, so they grow out of being emotional infants and children into emotional adults who love like Christ. So core to this is that we, begins with us, we give the most powerful gift we can give. And that is that people feel felt when they're with us. We give them presence, attunement, or God in skin for them. Let me close our time with a quote from Henry Nouwen. And it goes like this. From experience, you know that those who care for you become present to you. When they listen, they listen to you. When they speak, you know they speak to you. Their presence is a healing presence because they accept you on your own terms, and they encourage you to take your own life seriously. May the Lord bless you and be with you, and may his face shine on you. And may that be true of you and of me this day and this week. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.